Hello, I am Jay Goodwin, and you're listening to Pay It Forward. Today on Pay It Forward, we have Natalie Gillette. Natalie is an experienced, strategic, and passionate marketing professional with a focus on marketing strategy, social media marketing, digital marketing, and customer marketing. She is also the founder of the Black Marketers Association of America, which is an organization that helps marketers of color with having fulfilling careers through full-time marketing jobs, through owning marketing agencies and businesses, and providing a safe space for persons of color wanting to learn more about marketing and marketing enthusiasts. Natalie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Of course. Um, so I normally start these off with just like asking, you know, where you're from and what did you want to be when you grew up? <laughs> I am from Atlanta, Georgia, born and raised, and I'm one of the few, few still here. <laughs> <laughs> you can't find many of us. We all know each other probably. Um, and I actually wanted to be an attorney. Um, so I did not say I wanted to go and be a marketer because apparently I like to talk and I'm argumentative apparently growing up. And they were like, you should be an attorney. And I was like, okay, they pay a lot of money. Sure. And I ended up going to school, studying history and was like, Ooh, I don't really want to do this. And then I eventually went into marketing because I was a paralegal in 2011 and I was doing it and I said, you know what, I want to do something a little bit more creative. I want to have the opportunity to grow in my career a little bit more. I'm creative, but I'm also analytical. I want to do different things. And so that's when I said, hey, you know what, let me look into marketing. Let me look into business. And I guess the rest is history. Yeah. So uh, we're going to come back to a lot of the second part of that just there. But I got why? Why the major in history? What, what drew you to history? Oh my gosh. I hope my history teacher doesn't hear this. <laughs> she said she was such a good teacher at the beginning of the semester. I never forget junior year of high school. She said, I'm the best. I'm the best, you know, history teacher. I've had people major in history. I said, that won't be me. I will not be majoring in history. Um, I don't care anything about what she says. I, of course, fell in love with the class. It was American history. Mm. And I was like, mm, I, I guess I wouldn't mind learning about history. And then when I said I want to be a lawyer and I learned in American history, they study a lot of constitutional law. They study a lot of different applications. And history changes because laws or laws dictate history, vice versa. Mm -hmm. And history tends to repeat in cycles if you really study it really deeply. And so I said, hmm, this might be helpful if I want to be a lawyer so I fell in love with it because of Miss Cleopatra Warren. Um, I love her. Still one of my favorite teachers from high school to this day. And then, because I remember I announced that I was graduating and I told her my major and she was just smiling from ear to ear mm -hmm. and kind of laughed. And then I really just loved it with a history major and I focused on American history in college. So mm -hmm. that's why. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So now you are at Lee Square. Um, I can am. You, can you give me like a, a broad view of what Lee's Query is? Someone who has no idea how any of, any of this stuff works. All right, cool. So let's make it a little interesting. Because I could say, oh, it's a FinTech cloud software as a service platform that does lease accounting. And you're like, mm, more gone. So let's go with hospitals. Unfortunately, we're in a pandemic. Mm -hmm. When you go in a hospital and they have the little machines that um, 
will resuscitate you if need be. They have yeah. the machines that will measure your blood pressure. Those machines are actually not owned by the hospital in most cases. They're usually leased out. And so the business of the hospital is, is that they didn't have to account for those leases. Or if you're in the hospital building itself, if they don't own the building, let's say they own the space. Or if I'm in business, for example, lease query, we lease out of space in the building. That's a lease. They didn't have to put it on the balance sheet. So basically, when they're reporting their expenses, they didn't have to report those leases. But the different entities in government said, you now have to report that to see if you're actually a viable, you know, if you can get a loan. Yeah. And so it's basically making businesses be more transparent. Now, in order to do that, there was no software to do any of this before because they managed an Excel sheet because they're like, I don't need to really report it. Right. But now they have to report it a particular way. <laughs> they have to do certain things. And so because of that, they're like, oh, crap, I guess we got to buy a software. And so basically we take all of the things that a business may lease to operate and we put it in the system so they can then report it. So then that way they can make better buying decisions so they can minimize the risk, in some cases reduce costs, all these different things. And that's kind of what Lease Query does um, or will do – Sorry, my grammar is off tonight <laughs> in a nutshell. Gotcha. Well, honestly, it's not maybe not a direct link, but what you just said about mm -hmm. um, the change in how they have to sort of account for stuff sounds a lot like what you were saying about like history dictating law and law dictating history. And it's like this change mm -hmm. spurred this whole. Yeah, OK. That makes sense. Thank you for giving me uh, an example to sort of introduce the concept to me because I was like, I don't know what this, <laughs> what is happening. Um, <laughs> Most people don't. Don't feel bad. <laughs> okay, good. So tell me a little bit, like, you know, like, what's it like working in B2B? Because I feel like, and I don't know if this is just me projecting, but I feel like anytime I'm, like, looking at B2B stuff or thinking, you know, or hearing conversations about it, I'm just like, this sounds so boring. boring. It's, <laughs> like, it's, it's, not, it's not my thing. Like, so what, what's it like, um, you know, just day to day? Like, what's the experience um, being in B2B, B2B space? B2B is more challenging than B2C. Sorry, I'm not B2C marketers. I love you all. But, you know, we, we, we have a challenge because B2C, you can kind of look at social trends and listening to things in social media now are a little bit more helpful. You can do advertising and reach people. B2B, you have to convince basically a bunch of execs to spend a lot of the business money on your product. Mm -hmm. And they don't want to spend money. They hold on to that money really, really tightly. And so for me, because I work in customer marketing, I don't have to convince people to spend money. I have to convince them to keep spending money, which is way harder. Yeah. I can tell the good things to that person as a marketer and sales team will go ahead and sell it to them and say, this is how this will help your business. But once they become a customer, they know the ins and outs of you. It's kind of like dating. Mm -hmm. You date someone and you're like, okay, I like who this person is. But as soon as you get married and you move in with them, you're like, who the heck are you? <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like, do I want to renew? Do I want to stay? Mm -hmm. Do I want to keep these vows? I don't know so much. And it's not saying that, you know, I'm not married. So sorry to the unmarried people. And um, so I, I probably sound a little silly, but I, I try to make that kind of parallel with it. So my day to day is really what can I say that would get them to 
really fall in love back with us again. Um, I do a lot of love parallels in marketing because it's really about that relationship driven. So I do email marketing. Um, I focus a lot on customer advocacy. So a lot of times in B2B SaaS, which stands for software as a service, I do a lot of adoption things. So how do I get people to use my software more, be you know, champions in it to where they fall in love? And not only do they want to renew with us, but then they want to tell other people, you need to come and get this product. Like I want them to market for me. Um, I like it because it's not the worst in terms of like, I don't have to worry about how do I affect sales and bottom line. I get to enjoy that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I get to build long-term relationships in marketing. You send them through the funnel and then it's like, bye, on to the next one versus in customer marketing. You're trying to keep that relationship going and you can live with it. Like I'm thinking of a customer now who I asked to do a video for me. I need to email her, but I've asked her to do a webinar for us. Um, I've asked her, she sat on our customer advisory board, a cab for short, mm. and I get to have those relationships. When I worked in customer marketing a few years ago, I um, built relationships with my customers to where some of them would just randomly hit me up on LinkedIn and like, hey, how's everything going? I see you moved to another company, you know, just wanted to say hello. So I really like it because I know a lot of times people don't like marketing and advertising because it seems a little how do I say this? Manipulative mm. versus customer marketing. I don't feel as dirty because <laughs> I'm building relationships with people. Yeah. And, and I think part of that, um, to your point about feeling manipulative, I feel like part of it is just because it's so impersonal, right? It's like, mm-hmm. I know Absolutely. you're not, I know you're not talking to me to talk to me. You just want my money, right? Like it's always sort of exactly. that, that feel. And so, uh, to hear you just talk about the relationships and, and building something bigger, um, with the people that you're trying to, you know, keep in your ecosystem is really interesting. Cool. So um, when we talked, what was that? Last week? Earlier this week? Mm-hmm. It was recently. Um, it was last week, Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we were talking about some of the things that were on your mind, um, some of the things you were thinking about. Um, and one of the first things you mentioned was things that you wish you knew when you were a student. So I wanted to bring that back up. Um, what what is one of the first things that comes to your mind about this? Because I know we, you had mentioned networking. Um, you That's know, still it's, it's the first thing. There. That That's still the first thing. <laughs> networking, like it, 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 business. I thought when I went to business, I said I'm gonna love it because I'm a logical person. I'm a very analytical person. I don't like to deal with feelings because feelings are very finicky and they're subjective, and mm-hmm. facts and logic are not. So I'm gonna go into business, and I don't have to worry about that wrong and wrong and wrong. People don't want to buy from people they don't like. People don't want to work with people they don't like. People aren't gonna be around people they like. They don't like or trust. Mm-hmm. So you have to network to where you are building these relationships. I think that's a theme. Um, and that's probably why in marketing, I talk a lot about love parallels or I'll say it's like doing this. It's, it's like with networking, you have to make sure you're not just going to people to ask them for something. You want to build, why are they, you know, why are you interested in talking to them? Mm-hmm. What value can you bring to them? And I think the other part is a lot of people don't think about being intentional. It's like, I want the job you have, but other than that, why are you coming to talk to me? Because I'm a whole person. So, yes, I want to work in B2B SaaS like you, Natalie. Okay, great. But what else? Can you talk about, I'm from Atlanta. I said that was a rare thing. Are you interested in living in Atlanta? Are you from Atlanta? Did you go to college in Atlanta? Because I did. Um, I studied abroad. 
find out, do your homework. Sorry, I'm going I'm probably a little bit ahead. No, you're but, good. Um, I'm thinking about with networking. I have people who reach out to me now. I have a friend of mine who's a classmate, um, Lord. Um, he reached out to me. I'm not looking for a job, but he said, hey, you know, there's a guy that you know that I know. You work with him some time ago, years ago. Mm-hmm. He's in marketing, you're in marketing. I shared with him some jobs. And when I shared it with him, he said, you should share it with Natalie too. All because we have a good network and we have a good relationship. Yeah. Um, I know both the guys. So one of the guys went to Emory with me and the other guy we worked at um, a store together years ago. And so we connected, reconnected on LinkedIn. So make sure you get your LinkedIn. Um, we didn't have LinkedIn like that a lot when I was a, a student. But um, I'll say that now LinkedIn is like the best place to go um, and not just connecting with people, join those groups, go see if there's conversations, start conversations. Um, if you're a marketer, there um, was not an org for black marketers before 2017, mm. but now you have one because I founded one. Um, so definitely join the Slack group for that. No shameless plug. Mm. Um, Throw it in there. Yeah, again, I mean, I'm just saying, join the Slack group, visit blackmarketers.org. There's a membership page. Paid memberships will come out soon. There are benefits for being in those networks. I was a part of National Black MBA when there wasn't a group. I started because I was looking. I was like, where are all the black marketers? Like, I got questions, and nobody else outside of marketing can really give me the answer. No shade. So the non-marketers trying to market. But, (laughs) you know, I need a marketer's voice. And I said, I'm just going to find one, especially as a marketer of color. Um, But as a student, I will say, I underestimated the power of doing the work outside of class, right? If you're a marketer or even any career for that matter, um, because my cousin, he goes to Emory and he's going to be a lawyer and he hustled. Like I was like, wow, you do so much. Like he would look to any lawyer he could find to get some type of advice. Mm. He would look everywhere to get some type of internship. And I said, I didn't do that. I didn't hustle as hard as you. I wish I hustled as hard. And so he understood that going to class and getting good grades are not enough. You have to network. You have to get experience. You have to get experience that's valuable. You have to do so many things. So networking is number one, but two, remembering to be involved on campus. If you are in marketing, you go sign up for any club and you be the the marketing person. You get that experience. You go to network or you go to those career fairs, you get those internships. You go talk to your alumni. If you're in college, go talk to them. Go talk to people who were from your hometown, not from your hometown. If you're on LinkedIn, you know, they have the job you want. Have an informational interview. Um, what does it mean to have an informational interview? I tell people all the time, they can be nerve-wracking. So I tell people, you want to have one with me? Mess up with me. Don't mess up with the VP of marketing over at, you know, wherever. Or Fair Michelle Gee, who is the CEO of Ebony Magazine. She's um, come to speak for National Black NBA Atlanta. Hmm. And, you know, don't mess up with her. Mess up with me. <laughs> because <laughs> what I'm telling you, I expect you to mess up. I didn't get someone doing that when I was going around. So I messed up and it was just, I take that back. My career advisor in grad school, I would mess up with her and she would help me correct it. And so this is my way of paying it for it. Mess up with me, ask me what you feel are the unsafe questions Mm -hmm. and I will be your safety space as long as you're respectful. Um, The other thing is is that when you do network, you always have to be a continual learner no matter what industry you're in, but especially as a marketer. Um, 
I have on my site, blackmarketers.org, certifications. Um, I won't share who the partner is, but it is a large social media company um, who is partnering with us on getting certifications. So you become a member of BMAA, you'll have access to it in a few months. But, um, you know, I'm really excited about that, which is something I didn't have. So I, I know you said what I wish I knew, but I also wish I had these opportunities yeah. when I was coming out. Like I didn't have these opportunities, but HubSpot does free certifications. As long as you have a website, um, networking is important or getting experience. Those are all things I've had to learn throughout the years. And I'm trying with my org to make that process way more seamless um, for marketers, especially black marketers. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's so much I want to follow up with you on, um, especially uh, I'll save starting uh, Black Marketers for later. Um, mm. Let's talk a little bit about um, experience because you mentioned like getting that right. first um, that first job. You know, you've got internships, that sort of thing. Yeah. You do that. Um, you know, talk to me a little bit about what you how, what you think about how you should approach getting experience while not having an experience and sort of getting your foot in the door. Right. And obviously I know that, you know, internships are a prime way to do that. Maybe you get your foot in the door, you do a good yeah. job. Yeah. How to get an internship. Exactly. So what would, what <laughs> would you, you uh, say there? Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say the way I got internships was because I started making my resume specifically to sound like I was a marketer before I was a marketer. Mm. So it kind of goes back to what I said, joining those organizations and being the marketer, of those orgs and having things that are relevant. So if you want to be a social media marketer, because that's what's a whole job, you can't just go and say, I'm going to go get on Canva, make some posts, and then I'm a social media marketer because that's not what marketing is about, right. right? So what happens is, is that you go on there, you talk about how, you, when you post it, why you posted at that time, what the what, marketing is not fully baked until you add the analytics. So if you can get that experience doing that with one organization, you could talk about how that affects the big picture. You become someone that people look to you for an internship. Again, back to the free certifications with HubSpot. That is a very popular thing. Inbound marketing is a thing. Um, I will say there are other certifications. I'm trying to think of another one. Hootsuite does a certification. It does co cost some money. So save your coins up if you can and do that. Um, and make sure that you... Um, not just start your own personal account, because I see sometimes marketers will say, well, my personal account, I said that's a little different. Um, and so you want to make sure that you have that experience, but then also know what value you bring to that company and what is it that they need. So don't go in too cocky saying your social media is trash. You need help and I can do it for you. <laughs> yeah. But if you say, you know, I know I, I admire that your social media has really blossom over the years because you've done a lot of how-to, but I think one way to enhance that is to add some videos or different type of media. Because when I did ABCD here using this strategy, I helped expand the social media reach by 30% over a month. And that ends up helping us raise this amount of money in this time frame. Mm. That says a lot to a business person. They go, you did what? You raised money? Oh, okay. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, then tell me what else you can do for me. When you get the company saying things like, what else can you do for me? Or they're saying things about, what if this is the situation based off like this follow-up questions, not prepared questions, mm -hmm. they're already envisioning you in that role. You pretty much know you got it. 
but you got to kind of talk the talk first. You got to show that you did something first and you're not just like, just give me an opportunity. And it sucks because as black marketers, it's hard because you have to say, give me the opportunity because we know systemic racism is a thing. Black Mm -hmm. marketers don't get those opportunities. So I would say, at least for me, if you are a recent grad, prime example, my sister is my director of marketing for Black Marketers Association of America. She does our social media. If you like the content, my sister does the content. And so while she's on the board, someone on the board said to her, I know you did the social media. I really like it. Someone's hiring for this. You should go apply. She applied. She got an interview. I don't know what the follow-up is or the status, but it's because I gave her that opportunity. Um, And anybody else can join. We have committee signups now if they want to help. I mean, she would tell you if she's going to keep doing social media or not. But, you know, I like to help people and give people those opportunities. But to answer your question, how do you get experience without experience? You create experience for another entity and then you articulate the STAR, which stands for situation, task, actions and results very clearly, not only on your resume, but in your interviews. You network to get those interviews and then you can move forward. Mm. I think that's kind of a step-by-step synopsis of what you can do. You just wrote the book on getting experience without having experience. I mean, (laughs) the last step, and this is the most important step, be patient and remain strong in your confidence. Mm. Because it's a pandemic still. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think um, to your point about um, having a mindset of being a marketer before you get the title or, or whatever it is doing, you got to do it before you get it. Right. And I think a lot of what I heard you explain there was basically, yeah, go in as if you're already the marketer and and do some research, you know, develop, even if it's um, super high level, some sort of strategy that you think could impact whatever it is you're looking at in a positive way. Right. Um, And I would add the job you want. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And I would add for those certifications, Google Analytics is free. Um, and you You're right. Google Analytics is free. I was trying to remember that one. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you mentioned <laughs> analytics and I was like, oh, yeah. Um, but I mean, that's another thing. Why that did I say just that like, <laughs> You know, it's it's a difficult thing to sort of, you know, walk into that first job and be digging around in Google Analytics. It's a little daunting. But if you have oh my the, gosh, it's still daunting. <laughs> yeah, if you have today. the basics down, you know, you know where to look mm-hmm. for stuff you know, where to find stuff, you know, how to manipulate the basic tools and that sort of thing that you're already so far ahead um, of a lot of other people who would be sort of vying for the same positions. Um, Cool. So I want to come back to something that you said earlier, and I think I'm going to go with mentors because I want to save black marketers for another second. So I think the other side of uh, this sort of conversation that we're talking about, which I think broadly is networking and experience and early career mm-hmm. stuff. Um, have you had at various points through your career so far mentors? Um, and if so, can you just tell me a little bit about, you know, how that relationship came to be? Um, or are you mentoring people right now? <laughs> so that's a great question, mentors. Um, I always, I'm going to be a little weird and break rules known rules with mentorships I guess because I always felt like it was a challenge with mentors because you always want to do the right thing how do I get a mentor what does that relationship look like I've had mentors um I had a mentor through American Marketing Association um and it it didn't his his schedule my schedule he traveled a lot Mm -hmm. 
So we met a few times, but it wasn't like a what you would deem as a mentor who I call every single time. Um, so I would have, um, so there are differences. Let me break this down, especially at work. You can have a work mentor, you can have a mentor outside of work, mm. but at work, you really need a sponsor, somebody who is higher up that is going to go to bat for you when you're not in the room. Then you have kind of your advisor who can talk to you about some different things and kind of advise how your career should go. And then your mentor is who you talk to when you need advice and different things like that and can help connect you in other ways. So mm. I think it's a mentor sponsor advisor sorry if your listeners are like no she's wrong um, and I probably am missing that up a little bit but I do know the sponsor is the one that I always try to look for the mentor one is a little finicky because I will say a lot of times for me I will say I never really looked for mentors except for the one mentor that I had for the American Marketing Association and he would talk to me about where he's like this is what I think you need to do to advance your career where you want to go and I was like, okay, that's fine. You know, I kind of knew what I wanted to go. I kind of, what he said was helpful, but it was also something I kind of knew just from networking so much. Mm-hmm. So where I was like, I don't need a go-to person because I have a whole network to go to. I have a question. I know who I can call. Like I have, you know, I love this woman. Her name is Carlene Gordon. She's an HR, well, she's now um, the Senior VP of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Amherst Bank here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I call her. She will call me and say, Natalie, how's your career going? What are you doing? Are you stagnant? She will get me in line. Yeah, she'll get and right I to it. I love that. <laughs> All the way, like, that's Black woman queen. I'm trying to be like her. Like, she has goals, and she's like, okay, this is what you need to do. And she called me back a few months. I was like, I haven't heard from you. Have you done it? And I'm like, I did. I did my homework. This is what happened. This is how it's transpired. She's like, great. Now let's talk about the next step, you know, and those different types of things. And she keeps it real. Yeah. And so for me, it's like she's my unofficial mentor because she saw something in me that I may not have saw in myself. Mm-hmm. So I don't go looking for mentors. I know a lot of people are like, I want to mentor. I want a mentor. I'm like, but what do you want a mentor for? What do you need a mentor to do for you? Because you got to understand that when you have that dynamic and that relationship, um, you know, it's very challenging to ask someone to take their time out of their day to mentor you. Um, For me, I'll say I have mentored people. I've had a few people come up to me. They weren't marketers. Um, I take it back. I have had a marketing mentor before, someone who said, can you mar- can you mentor me? But I've had someone from my undergrad who she's doing great. I miss her dearly. She's um, She, I think she is in procurement. And she asked me to mentor her at one point um, because her mentor that she had decided to leave the industry. And she said, well, I want someone in the industry to continue mentoring me so I can know how to navigate corporate America. And so... I think that was fine. You know, she would just call me and ask me questions. Cool, no problem. We didn't have formal meetings and this was before the pandemic or anything like that. And I'm, again, I'm the flexible one. So if you happen to ask me your mentor, it ends up being kind of cool because I'm kind of like, all right, you want to call? You just want to chat? We don't need to, you know, do like a a formal meetup at a coffee shop because fun fact, Natalie doesn't drink coffee. So it's, you know, when she said, I want a mentor with someone to bounce some ideas off of or to get some advice, like she went and got her MBA. I already had my MBA, so she would ask me questions about that. I couldn't give her advice on how to balance an MBA and full-time job. She had to tell me how to do that. But it was also because I would talk with her through some challenges at work. And from my experiences, if I didn't know, I would then tap into that network again and say, I know someone who can assist you on that. So with mentors, I've had mentors. Um, I met a young lady who I think is about to join the marketing committee for, or for I'm sorry, Black Marketers Association, mm-hmm. who was my former mentor. And then I also have had mentors, but again, they're 
kind of an official are the best ones. The ones where someone who, when you're killing it, when you remember, you done did all this research, you done got this experience, you done got the interview, and you killed it in your job, or what have you. And long story short, you killing it on your job, and someone sees it, and they're like, I see potential here, let me help craft it and mold it. Mm. That is how you get a really great mentor. So don't stress if you don't have a mentor, if you're networking enough, you'll, you'll find people that'll that you'll trust and have relationships and just be genuine. That's it. Yeah. So on the other hand, um, have you, have you learned anything about yourself that you found interesting through the course of being someone else's mentor? I found out some professional triggers I had. Mm. Um, Carlene, who I mentioned earlier, she was the one who helped me realize she was like, I don't know if you realize it or not. And I realized I just didn't realize how much, a professional trigger of mine because I look young as a black woman. We tend to look young. Go us. Um, when I walk in the room, I will get thought of as a intern. Mm. I've been on jobs where people are like, are you an intern? Do you just graduate from undergrad? And I was like, over 10 years ago. And they're like, what? How is that possible? But because of that, they've already made up in their mind that I don't know what I'm talking about. And I'll understand when I get older, I don't have enough experience and that triggers me. But because I'm aware of it, um, she kind of has talked to me about how to not only be aware of it, but how to not let it overcome me in a professional space and some tactics. So for example, the way I'm talking to you right now, I have lowered my voice, mm -hmm. which she's kind of told me in front of me. And I said, what do I do when people think I'm young? She said, stop speaking in a high voice. Don't come in speaking like you're super young like this, because then they're going to think that you're like 12. Mm -hmm. But if you come in and you speak like you're a woman, you don't have to be manly with your <laughs> voice because that's not who you are. That's just weird. Yeah. But if you come in and you speak with confidence and vibrata and you come in and you and you speak and you hold steady and you have certain posture, it sends different messages. So that's why there are actual classes that talk about it. And that's the stuff about business I don't like can't stand actually because yeah. I just want to do my job I just want to go in and be respected but we know as a black person as a woman that's not always the case mm. so you just have to be armed and prepped so I learned my triggers I also learned I think to that point what you said about how to present myself from something as small as lowering the voice and I'm not gonna lie I was a young whippersnapper when I'm in my 20s I was like mm, I'm not changing my voice y'all just gonna have to take me as I come a little bit older now. That's not, I, I don't want to get into all of that. I'm just like, I know it's the game. And until I can change the system, I got to beat the system. So in order to beat the system, I got to play by the system's rules. If I don't like it, I just have to go elsewhere. And it's a lot happier way for me to be. Mm. Whew. That was a lot. Um, a little heavy. Yeah. No, no, no. But it's good though, because <laughs> that's the kind of stuff that, that people don't aren't always conscious of it happening in the moment, you know? And yeah. that's the kind of thing where if you don't realize it's happening, it reinforces itself. And the more it reinforces itself, the more it wears on you. It's, it's like that, that kind of situation. So I definitely understand where you're coming from on that. Um, last thing on this topic, and you mentioned it a while ago, and I wanted to make sure I came back to it on the, on the idea of mentor advocate and sponsor. What is the marker of a good sponsor? How do you sort of identify who could be a good sponsor for you? Really quickly with a sponsor, I know that from what I understand, 
for people they talk about their sponsors, they would have one that you don't ask someone to be a sponsor. That's just a no, no. Mm. Um, you would find out your sponsor. Sometimes you have a sponsor you don't know. Sometimes you do. And a lot of times those bonds are built outside of the office. I know that sounds crazy, but part of, again, business and marketing is a part of business is a lot of relationships are built outside of the conference room or now outside of the Zoom walls. Mm -hmm. Those relationships are built when you, if you are in business, you sometimes travel. We're not in a pandemic, but you know, when you have those conversations or even if it's something little like how your kids or how your pet's doing, you know, um, or when you are going to those happy hours. Now, don't get sloppy. Don't embarrass yourself. <laughs> but when someone's having those conversations with you, you know, being conscious of that balance between, you know, let me let you show who I am and trust me. And then let me also show my expertise. Nobody wants to be boring. I've done that before at a Christmas party. I was talking about work and they're like, oh, my gosh, she's talking about work. And I was just like. I didn't know that was a big thing. I mean, it wasn't huge. It didn't ruin my career, obviously, but it was like, I was just kind of like, she's so stiff. And I was like, I just don't want y'all in my personal business like that. Yeah. Um, and they wanted to talk about other stuff. And I guess because they felt like they couldn't trust or relate to me. So that's another word I don't think I said earlier is be relatable. Mm. Um, and then really usually find someone at least, it's going to sound bad, find someone who is more advanced as a sponsor um, and one way to really work on building that sponsorship is to, sorry, is to find someone that you want as your goal sponsor, go have that coffee meeting, informational meeting, ask them about their career. They'll probably ask you, well, why are you coming to talk to me? I want to get advice on how to do A, B, C, D. Mm-hmm. And you then build that relationship. And then you come back and you just say, hey, I want to give you updates. I took your advice on what you what you said. This is the this is the result. I have an idea for this. What do you think? And you think it's kind of a mentorship, but you're building that case for them to where when they're in another room, they can say, oh, no, Natalie did great for that because she's done A, B, C, D, E. Mm. You are giving them the information to do it without pushing it and selling it down their throat. You are helping them because part of it is, is making sure you um, again, add value. And a lot of times you have to think about, it's not about you. It's about the other person and what they need. Yeah. And so I think that's one way to get that sponsor. Um, as black people, ugh, this sounds bad. I hate to say this, but my goal would be in a lot of instances. And I think it's just how the makeup is of the C-suite. A lot of times if I'm looking at who should my sponsor be, it will most likely be a white man, which is the exact opposite of me as a black woman. Well, also because they're in a C-suite. Like, it's just kind of how how it works. Yeah. And a lot of times, I personally don't have a lot of issues with white men in corporate America. My boss, Bill, is a white man. One of my best bosses is not the best boss. So, And I've had women bosses before. And you would think, oh, women, great. No, actually, Bill is probably better. And it just it's not because he's a white man, but also because he's Bill. But I've also had other white male bosses, and I, hands down, prefer working with men. And I think it's because men in general, this is, I hate to generalize, but in my experience with my few male bosses, they've always been logic over feeling, and women sometimes tend to be more feeling-based. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't really care about that. Like, when I'm talking about bosses, I'm not married to that idea. I don't care if you pick my idea or not. That doesn't matter. What will get us the money? Because mm. I care about money, you care about money. That is our priority. I don't really, my ego is just not there. I don't care because I mm. come here to get a check. What will get my check bigger? Not my idea. Okay, well, let's get your idea. 
Now, if your idea will not get me money, I am going to be married to my ideas. That, But I only marry my idea when I've done my research and I've done the things that I needed to do. I don't care about the other stuff. But if, again, if you're looking for a sponsor, I would say definitely, you know, the markers of a good sponsor, someone who is in a higher up position, someone who has that power, that spirit of influence, mm-hmm. someone who's open to it, someone who's willing to have that conversation with you and be honest and then make sure you're building that relationship outside of the corporate space and maybe in a space where they you know want to you know be a sponsor but don't yeah. ask don't be like will you be my sponsor <laughs> they'll probably look at you like you're crazy yeah <laughs> no that makes sense and i think it it really ties into everything you said up top about relationship building um that you mentioned with with your work so that makes 100 percent sense to me um now i wanted to ask um okay tell me about the journey that you took to found the Black Marketers Association of America. I feel like it's got to be a great story. Um, so <laughs> you mentioned you were looking around for organizations like it. You didn't see anything. You were like, you know what? I got to take it in my own hands to to create this thing. So, you know, tell me about that moment where you decided, all right, I just have to do this. What was that like? I didn't want to do it. <laughs> Let's start with there. <laughs> Natalie wanted to see it. Mm. Natalie didn't want to do it. Natalie never wanted to be an entrepreneur. Natalie wanted to be a corporate mogul. She wanted to go collect her check and she wanted to go home and she wanted to buy her fancy Michael Kors purse. I'm looking on the side. I see my Michael Kors bag and I'm going, that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. I wanted to get my nice cute little hair, you know, done or whatever. And I wanted to live my best life. But I knew that in order for me to do that, I needed to network with people. But then I also know my mom says too, she's like, you try that card, but you like to help people, girl. Like that's who you are. How do you help your community? And so I said, there is American Marketing Association. I was a member, not anymore at this time because one, I have my own org. But then um, I was networking in an app called GroupMe. Hmm. A girlfriend from college, she put me in there. I was like, girl, you know how we are. Girl, you should get in this group real quick. Okay, what is it, girl? Just send it over. You know how girls, we, we girl chat. <laughs> so she put me in there. I'm networking. Okay, cool, girl. Thank you for putting me on. She's like, girl, I got you. And so I was like, where is the black marketers group? Like, we got we got needs that are not being addressed. I don't see it here. And someone said, just make one. That's not. <laughs> and I give them a side eye. Like, hold on. Gave a little bit of like, are you trying to be funny? Because it's text. But you can't really hear the song. Like, is she trying to be a smart butt? Just make one. Or she like, girl, just make one. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So I'm like, nah, somebody will make it. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Months are going by. Because I'm getting this group maybe March. And it's now May. Mm. No one has made one. Here, here, everybody's, girl, why you just don't make one? You brought this up before. You keep asking for one. And I was like, well, how many people actually get in it? Well, actually, I love to be in it. Wait a minute. So you want me to make it? But you, <laughs> you, you want to have it, but you don't want to make it? Yep. Nobody wanted to make it. And I said, look, my mom always told me, you want something done, baby? You got to do it yourself. So here I am. So I just said, let me make this group in this community. And I was very firm on how it was. I said, don't come in here promoting your products because I don't care. Don't come in here, you know, talking about things that are not marketing. We have another group for that. We are all about marketers right here. When you have your questions, this is your place to go. This is a safe space because sometimes as a black person, you can't ask those questions in corporate America because they already look at us funny because they think we're not everybody, but 
the system sometimes look at us as inferior. Mm. So if you want to come in, you want to vent about something that, you know, the microaggressions you got to deal with on your job, or you have a question and you're like, I just need to have a safe space, or let me check and see if I'm crazy. Cause I've used my group to be like, am I crazy y'all? Like your marketing change overnight and no one sent me the memo. Can someone send me the <laughs> newsletter? And they're like, nah, girl, you're not crazy. And so that's how it started in 2017 and I'm just going minding my business this is May and I'm like okay it's cool this is great this is perfect 2018 comes and goes 2019 pops up I'm ready for another job and my coworker, I love her she's actually my member at large Bianca um who's in DC from Atlanta too told you no one stays here <laughs> um and so she posted a job and I applied for it she put in a good word I ended up working with her for a year and she said, what are you going to do with Black Marketers? I said, I don't know. I guess I'll do like a social media or something since it's only on group me. You know, I'll do like an Instagram. Nothing crazy. I'm just going to repost a bunch of stuff. And I did for like a while. And then eventually she was like, she and some other people, girl, are you going to do something else? Like, we'd love to see more stuff. I said, Hi, how would y'all feel if I do this? And of course, my group is so supportive, my network. Girl, we love it. And I know at one point I was like, okay, do y'all want to see this? Because I'm ready to just shut this down. This is cool for a while. This is just a hobby. All of a sudden, Natalie, you can't shut this group down. Where am I going to go when I need a vent? I said, girl, you can get elsewhere. Not marketing stuff. No one gets it. Where am I going to go? Because I found a job here. Well, I found a job too. Well, I did too. Actually, I found my mentor here. And I'm going, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't know all this was going on. Yeah. They said, well, yeah, we met through the conversations, but we went to the DMs and we connected. And I'm like, really this is happening and I don't know this is going on like are you serious so then I was like okay my mom has raised me and I know I talk about my mom a lot love her dearly I'm probably gonna call her after this because I talked to her before <laughs> this now I gotta call her back to let her know how this went and she said now if you gonna do something you're gonna have to do it big and I was like well if I'm going to keep this going and I'm taking this off of a private app or what have you and I'm gonna put it out there it's gonna have to look for real it's gonna have to look legit mm -hmm. it can't be no half-baked stuff it, it'll have a startup feel to it of course because it was just me solo dolo for a while yeah. but it's gonna have to be for real so then in 2019, I was still the president of Caucus at Emory Black Alumni. And I was like, guys, I'm not coming back. Like, I've done the marketing here. So I got some experience there. And I've done different things. But I'm going back to my org to build my org up to really serve Black marketers. Because there wasn't really an org. At least I didn't see. I didn't see it until late 2019 when I saw African American Marketing Association, which was started by Michelle Gomez, who's out of Houston. And I'm actually a member of her org. Um, the thing with her org is very similar to American Marketing Association, chapter-based, BMAA is not. You can be anywhere you want. They do events. We do digital events. And our group, me, I did not limit to people in Atlanta because I personally, most of my network is not in Atlanta. So I said, it's kind of silly for me to just limit something to one space. And I, I was, people say you were kind of ahead. I said, no, I just paid attention. I said, we have had smartphones, at least I've had my smartphone since 09. I said, and from my phone, I could talk to my classmates from China. So why do I have to say it's only for Atlanta? Mm -hmm. For what? Why? I don't get it. And I said, and the person who referred me for my job is in D.C. So do you not see the power where you don't limit things? Yeah. So I said, okay, in 2020, I'm going to really get to it. Now, mind you, 2020, the world decided to flip and reverse. In addition to, I forgot to mention that, um, in 2020, my college roommate died. My very mm. first college roommate, we also went to high school together. I ended up losing my job. 
my uncle died. Mm. It was a lot between January and February. Mind you, I started the job at now in March. So you're probably like, dang, you got a job really quick. That networking and, you know, being able to say to people, hey, you know what? And having built that network for the past six, seven, maybe eight years, and then going to that network and being and staying around and involved in them, knowing what I'm doing in my work and having my LinkedIn consistently up to date. Um, like, for example, whenever you get a new job, the first thing you do is copy and paste your job description to your LinkedIn. So that way, if you don't get to update it like I haven't in a while, it's still updated. Mm. So you you stay ready so you don't have to get ready, right? And so even though that was a rough start, I would say the end of my year started going really well. I launched blackmarketers.org. Nicole designed it. I just maintain it. Um, and I don't think I'm going to be maintaining it much longer with her massive marketing committee. Um, we launched it maybe late August mm. um, for people to see. We didn't do like a press release or anything like that. Um, we started the job board because the, one of the things with the group was I was always finding jobs because I was networking so much and I would share them with people. And so someone was like, why don't you just put it in one space? I said, yeah, I just put it on a website. And so I wasn't, I don't realize how many people get the jobs. I just posted on there. Mm-hmm. And then I said, oh, duh, if I post the jobs on the site, then I could put it on the social media and say, hey, guys, it's jobs. And so I was like, oh, okay. So I already kind of built that. I could put it back in the group and I can share it with my networks. And, you know, we can keep this thing going, but yeah. it won't be just locked to a group. If you don't know about my group, you, you can't find out. Now it's 2021, getting some partners. Um, I think I can say it because I think we're almost finalized. DoorDash is a partner. Nice. They are. They are. I can say that because they're on the website um, on blackmarketers.org. Um, they're a partner. Um, and so they've actually hired some people from the job board. Um, I, I did have someone reach out and say, I just want to say thank you because I found the DoorDash job off your job board. And I was like, really? Um, so I feel special about that. We have testimonials on the site. So we keep things going. Hmm. Um, you know, we're like about to do paid memberships next month. Cause like I said, certification will be offered. We have merchandise. So one of my biggest pet peeves, my sister designed my merchandise, my sister designed my website, the merchandise. One of my favorite pieces is a marketing hoodie. It's also a long sleeve shirt and it's also a t-shirt. It says marketing, doing more than just making things look good. Mm. Because I hate how people say marketing just <laughs> make things look good. It drives me insane. And so my sister's like, here, would you like this? And I was like, I'm still waiting on mine to come in because I ordered mine late. I think I ordered mine last week. And I was like, girl, why didn't you order it sooner? Like, <laughs> you're the founder. You haven't ordered your merch. So I'm like mad at myself because it was cold the other day and I went to grab a hoodie and I was like, man, I wish I had my marketing. Yeah, you should have had the first one. But I should have, right? But of course, sometimes when you get so deep into what you're doing, you end up not getting it and you're like, you know what? Stop what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and get your merch, girl. Be be good. So I, I put it on our social medias. Um, on all of our social medias, I think, well, I think LinkedIn is Black Marketers Association. Instagram is Black Marketers. Um, Twitter's Black Market is one because someone stole the Black Market is handle. Of course. And then, uh, yeah. And I think Facebook is Black Market is two. And then the website is blackmarketers.org. But I think we also purchase blackmarketers.com because sometimes people mess that up. So it's fine. Um, so we have it. So people can find it, but it's grown so much. And my board, they are phenomenal. Um, my partnership director, it was Justin Malone. He just stepped down just for some time for himself. I hope he comes back. He helped secure that DoorDash partnership. Mm. He helped start that. And then Ray um, Sewell, who's over directors of partners now, she's the director of partnerships now. She has finalized the DoorDash one. So we're a team, we work together. Um, My 
programming director is Chi Johnson. Oh my gosh, she really handles our weekly event that's on our Slack space where it's called Ask Me Anything. We do Melanin Marketing Monday where we highlight black marketers and something I just made up. And I didn't think it would actually be something because I was begging people to be featured. Now I have people being like, hey, can I be featured in Melanin Marketing Monday? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and so it features black marketers in the space where black marketers don't always get featured. And you don't have to be like a CMO as a black marketer. You don't have to be a marketing manager. I have specialists. I have people who just graduated from school. If you have a story I want to hear, I have black marketers who own marketing agencies mm -hmm. that are featured. And what she does is that on Thursdays in our Slack group from 11 a.m. to like 6 p.m. Eastern time, you ask them questions about their stories. You get their opinions and it's a way to connect with other marketers. So it helps push that community out she came up with that idea she amazing stays with amazing ideas uh brandon bill is working with a company i can't say the name yet because again these partnerships are not finalized um they just kind of start hitting all in 2021 and mm -hmm. we're like whoa slow down um so yes we do need volunteers brandon bill is over collegiate relations so he's working with schools obviously a hbcu pipeline but i did tell him since i didn't go to hbcu i was i said can you look at other, like, can you look at PWIs too? Because I don't want to miss our Black people who didn't go, especially because HBCUs are also mostly in the East and Southern regions of the country. And uh, like I said, DoorDash is based out of California, I believe. They have an office in New York and there aren't HBCUs there. And so I said, we want to make sure we still get them good talent. So I want to make sure we just spread the love and find every single Black marketer we can in the United States. Because I know that there are people from London, Black people who are like, hey, can we get involved? And I said, for tax purposes, not yet. <laughs> Canada, um, Black marketers in Canada. But basically, it's, it's kind of a movement. And, I, and my favorite testimonial, I can't say the name because I don't think you got permission to um, publish the name. But they said, it's more than a jobs group. It is a community where I can grow and not only just network with people. I'm now a better marketer from it, mm. from these conversations. And I'm like... I did that? Me? I did it? And I called my mom because I told her, like, I can say the to my mom privately who my partners are before I can say them publicly. Yeah. And my mom just said, that's so big. That's so amazing. I'm so happy for you. And all I can say is, I'm proud to make my mommy happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a still a little mom's girl. Like, my mommy's happy. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, hearing you talk about just the journey that this has taken since you started it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's amazing. And to, to be able to accomplish all of that and impact so many people in three or four years is wild. So, Hey, I'm with your mom. That's amazing. Kudos to you um, for, for having <laughs> such a positive impact on people. I mean, there's, there's just something about making somebody's life better. I was going to say, you know what? I, we talk about this generational wealth. We talk about systemic racism. And I was like, how do we to making things better for Black people? And I was like, I, I'm not a social activist anymore. I used to be. You guys know mom, she'll tell you. She'd be like, oh, Natalie was ready to be out there in the protest. And I was like, I'm not quite that girl anymore. I'm a little different. And so I was like, how can I do this? And it kind of is doing it on its own this way. So I was like, wow, there's a way that I can help change the system by what I'm doing. And it's just like, wow, I can't believe like that's the case. And we have us a good time. I'm not going to lie. Like 
I tell people, I was like, I'm probably not the most corporate person, even though I work in corporate America. It's like, how are you in corporate America? You're not corporate. I said, because I'm not stiff. Um, I don't like to wear suits. I don't have one on now. Um, I know we're in a pandemic and I, I just don't. And I also work in SaaS companies. SaaS companies can wear jeans. Y'all seen Google. Y'all know how they are. Mm-hmm. So that's, to me, that's when I really get excited when I feel like I'm now putting Black people in a position which is why the collegiate relations role is not the most important role, but it's the one that probably tugs at my heart more than any other role. Because when he said, when Brandon Beal, he goes by Beal, who I think you should talk to as well. When Beal said, I will take over collegiate relations, I was like, thank you, because I really want that one, because I want to create a pipeline. Because one thing we talk about as Black marketers, we didn't know the opportunities that was in marketing. When you think marketing, you think, I'm going to go work for Coca-Cola and be a brand manager and live my best life. When it's like you can be in other areas and really not only have, you know, be compensated pretty well. I could get paid more, but be compensated well in that space. You can also enjoy what you do. And we don't know that all the time as black people, like the possibilities are so vast because we only know what is in front of us. And I know we talk about representation matters, but not only representation, but that pipeline. And how do you build that pipeline is if we pull together, which is why I also think chapters for me just doesn't work for my model because I said, no, I need for us as black people just to pull, pull together, all of us pull together. And my thing is I am in Atlanta, but I have friends who are not in Atlanta. So if it's like, Hey, I'm a black market. I'm trying to go to DC. Anybody know someone? The first person I'm going to tap is Bianca. Can you go talk to this person for me? My friend who went to grad school with me, he is a brand manager, just recently got promoted. Congrats to Christopher Butler. We call him Butler. And if I need someone who has a question about brand management, I say, Butler, can you talk to them? And because we are homies and we lived overseas, you bond when you live with people overseas. <laughs> like my classmates from overseas, some of we real tight because it's like you 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 bond with people because you're the only ones that speak English. So that's the only people you can really talk to for mm-hmm. like four or five months, twice. So like eight to ten months. Um, he's like, yeah, I'll talk to whomever as long as they're cool. Like I have no issues. I'll do what you need, and I think that helps. And he says too a lot of times, like I'm just so proud. He's like. I'm not surprised you're doing amazing things, but every time I hear about the good things you're doing, I'm so happy for you. So yeah, I, I, I will say for me, it's a lot of how do I help change the system to better black people? And I feel like I see a little bit of it. I'm seeing like a little small part mm-hmm. of it. My board sees more of it. Kudos to my board for seeing the vision that I can't always see. I'm not the typical founder visionary. I'm the other typical founder of, all right, what are the things we need to get done to see what we can do? Yeah. I'm a weird founder. Most founders are visionaries, to say the least. They're like, oh, I just see all of this big picture. I'm like, no, I just see a need and I just want to fulfill it. Hey, there you go. There was a gap and I wanted to fill it. Yeah. But you know what they say? Necessity is the mother of invention. Mm-hmm. No. So I guess that's where this came from. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, Look, like I said earlier, kudos to you. And wh- and what I wanted to say is, you mentioned that you see a little bit of the impact, and I I, I promise you, the little bit that you see is <laughs> is compounded by all the things that you can't see. And I, I am very sure and confident about that. So, um, I just wanted to ask you that to to get a peek into you know what made you take that big step because it, it's so amazing to see where it is now. But it it always has to start somewhere, and it's just beautiful to yeah. to hear that story. You know, um. So I kind of wanted to just talk to you a little bit about yourself for this, this last little section here. Um, mm-hmm. And I just wanted to flash back. So at the beginning, you mentioned that you had studied history. You were going to go into law. You were mm-hmm. paralegal. And then you mentioned that you had a creative desire. 
And that is ultimately what sort of drove you to want to explore marketing, uh, communications, that sort of thing. Um, Talk to me a little bit about how you actually made that switch. I know you said you were a paralegal back in 2011, but mm. you know, what, 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 how, how did you actually switch fields? That feels like a big uh, career switch. How, how did that happen? It was. <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, I will say I was like, I'm ready. I don't want to be in law because it was too linear in the trajectory. It was very narrow. I said this in other interviews. Like, it was very narrow. Like, I didn't have as many options. And I did my research. You know, me and history major, we're big on research in general. Mm -hmm. We read tons of crap, right? <laughs> um, and so I said, hmm, why do I do this? And I didn't know anything about a master's in communications or master's in science and communication. I didn't know much about a master's in marketing, but I heard about an MBA. Mm -hmm. um, and so I looked into that. I looked in Forte, I think it's Forte Women MBAs, which is for women who want to get MBAs. Um, I think I looked at another one. I can't think of the name of it right now, but if someone asked me, they can. National Black NBA is really huge. Um, the headquarters is now here in Atlanta and the large, one of the largest chapters, which is Atlanta, which I'm director of marketing of. Ooh, too much on my plate. Um, <laughs> That's a lot. But I don't sleep, basically. I just don't sleep. Um, but um, I looked into all of those and having networked through there and decide the way I'm going to go into marketing is to get an MBA. Mm. But then the question was, how do I get some experience? I don't advise people to do this. I advise people, like when I talk to my sister, I said, I don't have a problem with you getting an MBA. Just go and try to get you a job in marketing because MBAs are really to put you in that leadership role. And I said, you know, a lot of times you don't have to go and do that um, to get an MBA. They prefer that you have three to five years experience. I only had two to go to mine. So it was a challenge. Um, but I will say one of my professors, God bless his soul, he passed away for years ago. He said, you know, you have a different type of mindset to where I told him, I, he said, why don't you speak more? He read my papers. He was like, you have a brilliant, you know, business mind. Um, he said, and you have different things that are important for morals and ethics and business. Why don't you speak more? I said, I'm one of the least experienced in the class. And he said, it doesn't matter. Like, you know this. He said, it works for you. There's a reason why you're here. And I really appreciated that. And so before I did that, though, before I got to school, let's back up all the way back to 2011, 2012, when I was a paralegal. Okay. I was applying to internships and different things through, not Handshake, sorry, Handshake is what Emory uses now. They used to use something else for job tools. And so it came back to, let me go to the very bottom of the list. This was before I knew HubSpot existed. And it was kind of where I was telling you about, I was looking for anything that said marketing in the title. And I had a marketing internship with something called National Society of High School Scholars. It wasn't really marketing. It was really more fulfillment. And so it's a membership-based. Um, model, kind of like what I have now. So I don't know if that experience is really helping me now or not. I'm going to say maybe it does. And so we fulfill um, orders a lot of times because people, we would try to get them to finalize their orders or what have you mm -hmm. and answer their questions. So a lot of community service, but we would fulfill their orders for graduate paraphernalia. So if they wanted, you know, an honor cord or a stole and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so that was really fulfillment type things, but it said marketing. And I said, I want it. Let me apply. Let's do it. So I applied. And when I got to grad school, I I think I told you I was overseas for the first year. Mm. But when I landed there to do my orientation before they shipped us off, I made an appointment before I even got to Cleveland because I went to Case Western in Cleveland. I made an appointment with the career advisor and said, I want to have a career conversation with you. 
I don't want to lollygag around. I want a concrete plan when I get here because I tell people all the time, grad school is not like undergrad. You don't, you go to undergrad, you get the whole experience, you have fun, all that jazz. You got four years. You go to grad school, first of all, it's expensive as heck. Mm-hmm. Make no sense. Joe, if you listen, go ahead and forgive those loans. Just forgive them all. <laughs> just go ahead. Just We just going to throw that out there. And if Joe not listening, if somebody knows Joe, you know, just put a little bug in yeah, it. Let them know. You know. Do what you got to do. Just a little, go ahead. Just go ahead and, you know, Natalie Gillette, if you want to start with her, that's fine too. And then I can give you a list of where to go next. Like, not a problem. You know, so if people just hit me up, I will filter that for you, you know, for a small fee, minuscule fee. Just go ahead and work it out. But, um, you know, you go to grad school, you spend that amount of money, you need to be ready to come out with a job. Yeah. And you need to be ready. You got to go in with a game plan. I was overseas in China, and I want to say three weeks after I landed, I had my first interview with Nestle for an internship. And someone was like, how on earth? I said, I had my career advisor develop a plan for me and give me timelines and roadmaps. And I think the biggest advantage for my career was I told um, her, I said, talk to me as if I know nothing. She said, oh, you want the basics? I said, start from the absolute beginning changed my life Mm. because when she broke down how to do informational interviews and then she would have me do them prep for them with her and the here's the kicker that always made me nervous but I don't regret it now she would come back to say tell me how that call went what you said what you asked this is what you should have did this is how you could have done it better and it made me nervous because taking criticism is hard yeah but it was very helpful. Yeah. And I never forget Jamie L. Well for that. She's no longer at Case Western, so don't all go running to, uh, she isn't in higher ed anymore. I think she works for like Eaton or something, but it was very helpful. And so I got into that because I, one, took internships at Fed Marketing, no matter what it was, they were paid. Sometimes you got to take unpaid. I did take an unpaid internship when I was in grad school, but I also had paid internships to kind of balance it out. Trust me, I slept even less <laughs> I want to say I probably slept less then in grad school than I do now. So I know it sounds crazy, but I sleep way more now. And I'm also older. Um, and I I was able, again, to show that I was a marketer. I actually didn't do the certifications until after I graduated because I didn't know about them. But when I found out, I stayed doing it. Um, and so I would say that's kind of how I got into marketing from that world was that I I just jumped in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I jumped in the pool. Yeah. I mean, you have to. And it sounds like... Um... When you would do, you would make that call after the interview and take that criticism. Honestly, I feel like that prepares you even more for a career in marketing because everything gets feedback, multiple rounds of feedback, everything gets criticized. So it, oh it's almost just setting you up in, in another way, you know, adding another skill yep. um, in that way. So tell me what was the most useful thing you took from your MBA? Wow, I wasn't expecting that question. Let me think back. <laughs> that was ooh, six years ago. Dang, time is going. Uh, the most useful experience besides the relationship, because I don't want to just say that. Um, back to my professor, he said he loved nicknames. Um, and he was like, call me Gorilla. That was what we called him. He was known for that. So if you look up Case Western, Weatherhead School of Management, professor named gorilla he'll probably come up you can ask any of us we'll know who gorilla is he was infamous for his classes um and the the thing is he would have like the former ceos of like office max come and talk to us Mm. and he was the one who was talking about advice in terms of 
if you could change something now in your career or what do you what are your biggest lessons they would give us their books for free i mean we paid a crap ton so i'll take a free book yeah, thanks. They give um, i don't want to pay extra for it <laughs> hello so um they would talk about the morality and ethics of business to where I had already made a decision a long time ago. I say, if it comes down to running a business, if I have to be immoral, I'm going to just say no and walk away. I'd rather be broke and to have my morals than to not be. And I think that's why Gorilla would say to me, in fact, he said it, he was like, you're pretty smart. He said, because being a good business person and having good ethics is not only hard, but it helps you have better business. And a lot of people who were there had already worked. I had not worked on that side as much. I worked in paralegal and I saw the messiness in litigation where I would see people getting nasty. And he was like, it's almost as if you haven't been corrupted. <laughs> and I was like, you got to make a conscious decision early. Yeah. But he was like, you're kind of more pure. So therefore it makes you better for business because you are not corrupted. And it was like, how do you stay, you know, pure? Mm. But the biggest thing he told me, again, this is a white guy and gorilla tall man the thing he told me was to have a voice to hear a white man tell a black young woman in her 20s have a voice and speak and speak loudly probably one of the biggest takeaways i'll ever get mm. you never hear a black woman be told to speak up yeah ever and this man who knows ceos around the world is looking at me saying, you have a voice. Your voice is valued. Yours is important. You need to speak up. And so I started feeling more confident to raise my hand in class. Mm -hmm. And people and people attacked me like I thought, not in a bad way, like jump on me, but it was just like, mm, that's kind of naive to think, or mm, that's probably not what you should do. Mm. And he said, actually, Natalie's right. And they looked kind of shocked because these are older people who've been managers or directors that are trying to get to that next level. And they work for these big companies. And I'm just this little girl who's a paralegal who's hella young anyway, amongst this room of people in their 30s getting married with children. And they have these husbands and wives who've done these big things. And I'm over here like, well, actually, I don't think that's a good idea because of the da da And he was like, she's right. And a guest to come in who's a former CEO or CEO saying, actually y'all she's pretty astute and i'm going what like to be validated and then not even just to have the conference to say it but for men again men of power too to also back me up yeah. in a sense yeah is empowering to where i didn't even realize how much it means to me until you asked me the question mm. it sits back but now that you guys, I appreciate you for asking that question because I didn't even remember how much it meant to me. Because I know that when I found out Gorilla passed away, I cried hard. And I was like, he was just so nice. And he he would ask me to speak up. And he said that I was so valuable. And sometimes when I feel bad, other than talking to my family and my friends who helped validate me, I think about what he said to me. But now I'm thinking about not only did he validate me in private, when I did have the courage to speak up, he had my back and was like, no, she's right. Yeah. That that's that's powerful to say the least. No, absolutely. It sounds like you you really sort of got the affirmation that you were in the right place. Um, yep. Yeah. At so, the right time. At the right time, <laughs> and it it really sucks that, that that the people would give you that reaction because it, it's ironic to me that people who have already been, you know, doing it are so sort of closed off to having someone else with a different opinion. That's just weird. Um, well, I will, this is a scenario. So let me just give a quick little color. Yeah. It was about 
basically it was something about pricing in, in a model and someone accidentally misinterpreted something. I'm going through it now and I'm trying to contact the person. So it's just reminding me to reach out to them again. Someone paid higher for a price than they were supposed to. Mm. And they thought that they were supposed to pay it. And it was like, morally, should you correct them? And they're like, it's not your, it's not your job to correct it. They paid it and they're okay with paying it. It's fine. And I was like, well, let me break down why I said, because here's the thing, business world is not that big. I said, and on top of that, I said, morally is just wrong. Like to continue business practices like that, because that's a slippery slope to being morally corrupt. And then affecting your brand because again i'm a marketer brand is everything reputation is everything mm -hmm. and you're like well this is just one-off instance it won't hurt i said but again it's a slippery slope and you know this is something that you got to make a decision to do and make it a priority but you also have to understand where you are too as a person if you genuinely just forget to do it that's a little bit different than i'm that's not my job i'm not about to worry about it it's not on me mm -hmm. or the vendor actually you know lowball me or low cut me or whatever like it's a little bit different and so people were just like, no, Natalie, that's that's more than what you you should do. It maybe you no, you shouldn't have to do it because it's not your job and it's on them. And, and it was very cutthroat. And he was like, you gotta remember, business is about relationships. Like this is what the professor is saying. Yeah. He's like, she's right. You're gonna end up not only messing up your relationships, messing up your career long term, but you're going to be older. Like these are older again CEOs who pretty much are retired for the most part. Some of them are still working. And was like. I think about a lot of my experiences and I'm like, that was not it. I should not have done that. And they don't like where they sit. And so it's kind of like, make those, those tough decisions now. Um, I think I make mistakes a lot in business, even with my org. And I learned to forgive myself because I know that I'm doing the best I can to not be the business for someone else's. I know I'm going to make some mistakes. I know I'm not going to be perfect, but I forgive myself for it. And I try to do better the next time versus being like, it's a mindset thing for me. So that that's kind of the color of it. So that's why people responded like that. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, that makes sense. Um, so I, I always end these by asking uh, the same four questions. So what are you reading now? Mm -hmm. Something that's challenging, something you're proud of, and a piece of advice. So first up is, you know, what is something uh, you're reading or consuming right now? Um, and what have you sort of taken from it? I feel bad because when you ask this question, the answer is the same because I haven't made the progress I need to make. <laughs> I want to finish reading Michelle's book, Becoming. Mm. Get it together. I'm two seconds from being like, F it, just watch the Netflix series and be like, I read the book. <laughs> I'm two seconds from it because I'm just like, you can't sit down and finish reading the book. Like I've started reading it mm. and it's an easy read. Oh my gosh, Michelle Obama queen yes um but i want to finish reading that um the thing i like to read a lot since i graduated from grad school um and again being in certain places at certain times finding out things are blessings um i read forbes entrepreneur inc all of that type of stuff because i wanted to know what c-suite execs thought like especially from a marketing perspective but more so from um my perspective to grow in my career mm. i want excuse me to think like the people that I wanted to be. I wanted to be in that space. And so therefore I wanted to think like them. So that's that's why I read a lot of that. And then I think another thing I will say um, will probably be reading soon is my blog for Black Markers. I will not be writing it. I do not have the time, but my Black Marketers will be writing it. So I will probably be, you know, editing it and reviewing it. That's going to be where I am as the founder right now is I'm going to be doing more stuff like that 
because of the teams, I'm going to get out of the day-to-day and more of the, oh, let me just see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And not like an overseer, like, oh my gosh, let me delegate. It'll be like, oh, let me see. That's kind of cool. Because like I said, you know, I didn't know about some of the, the partnership programs sometimes because um, I tell my team, you know, go be great. I asked you to be on this board. I've looked at your resumes. I've asked people around. You're fine. I trust you. I believe in Steve Jobs' mantra of you don't hire intelligent people to tell them what to do. You hire them to tell you what to do. Mm. So I literally, if I have an idea, I'll have an idea because I'm a smart person, but I'll say, what do you think, board? I don't really like that idea. All right, crap. <laughs> um, and not just that simple. It's more of a, they tell me I don't like the idea because of, yeah. and then I listen to it and I think about it for two seconds and I'm like, I actually thought that too. So yeah, let's scrap. But yeah, I will say a lot of articles, I tend to read those. They're really quick sound bites. So for Entrepreneur Inc., I advise anyone who is coming up in the business to read those. Um, Becoming by Michelle Obama. I need to read Barack Obama's book. Listen, y'all going to have to slow down. Yeah, they, they, this is too much. They've been putting out a lot of content. <laughs> Listen, and I want to absorb it all. So you're going to have to relax. Um, but those will be my top ones, I would say. Um, yeah, I think those are the top ones. Yeah. Uh, well, I will definitely be tuning into the blog. I promise you that. Um, oh, thank you. I'm excited. I can't wait to see what they're going to do. It's probably going to launch. I think I'm trying to do a launch a month. So membership packages um, next month. So you can join and be a member. Mm-hmm. Um, I have it where it's annual pricing as well as uh, monthly pricing for people if they need it, mm-hmm. um, which I thought would be really helpful. And then um, I'll also have uh, probably the blog launch in March or April. Cool. Um, aside from just the sheer amount of things you have to do, uh, what's something that's, uh, been really a challenge for you lately? Man, at this point, um, <laughs> like you said, besides the things I have to do, um, from a work perspective, the challenge is building a customer marketing program because the company has not done that before. And so trying to, I don't want to say work with people is difficult, but getting non-marketers to understand how the marketing space works. My boss is not a marketer. I've had to have a conversation with him before and say, marketing is not just this. It's not this. It's actually this. I've had to do the research and trying to convince people of that is a challenge. Mm. Um, It's a constant challenge. It's not going to change. You're probably going to get that if you're a marketer all the time, no matter what. For BMAA is um, really trying to rally the troops or all the black marketers in a good space um, and really give them and to grow and by grow, I don't mean like just get numbers up, but really continue to provide more because my stakeholders, my number one stakeholder, everyone knows are my marketers. My members are my number one stakeholders. Like they're the ones I'm doing this for. I had someone say, you know what? I don't really like how the website looks. I said, but my, you're not my target audience. This web this webpage is not for you. It is for my members. My members have not complained. When they start complaining, especially in numbers, then I'm going to revisit it. But since I'm having people reach out and say, I actually got a job because of you. I, I, I'm going to keep moving forward. Yep. <laughs> so I think the challenge is how do I continue innovating? Mm. Um, Cause like I said, BMAA is very different. It's a different type of flow. Like it's a different type of org. It's different from national black NBA. It's different from African American Marketing Association, which are both great orgs yeah. that I'm both members of. So definitely join and my, um, you know, spread the wealth, you know, support black people. But those are the two challenges. And then with national black NBA is really, I owe someone something. Shoot. Is really managing that, but I have a committee now that I just met with on Tuesday that are going to help me manage it. So mm-hmm. that, that's more time management, but work is more about building and then growing for BMAA. 
Yep. Those are the three challenges. No, yes, for one, but technically I get one for each. Listen, <laughs> whatever you, yeah, whatever you got to say is what I want to hear. So don't worry about that. Ah, um, I like it. On the other hand, what's something that you are really proud of? Whenever I get the random messages from people, unsolicited more so than anything, I love the group, Natalie. I love BMAA. This is amazing. I'm so happy I found you. Mm. That always makes me happy because that means I'm not doing this for no reason. Um, and I know you do things for a reason, but I'm more of a, if I'm going to start something, it's not going to be for me. And and there's nothing wrong with saying you want to start something to make money. There's nothing wrong with saying you want to start something for yourself. My thing is what I do for myself is I go to Lee Square and I get my check. So I can get my money. Yeah. But this over here, like I've had to invest, of course, myself in BMAA and my coins. Um, luckily, I'm not investing as much anymore financially because I'm like, eh, listen, y'all, y'all messing up my my life yeah. in terms of <laughs> I like nice things. So look, but I don't mind it, and I don't even look for any of it back. I mean, if I get it back, yay. But if I, I'm not like, like my board asked me, like, are you looking to get your money back? And I was like, no, nah, I'm not even tracking it to be completely honest. Because one, I don't feel like counting the pennies. That's too much for me. I'm, I'm. I want to say I'm lazy, but I'm lazy on that. But then two, I said, I'm not doing it for that. I'm doing that because I genuinely want to help the community. So when I get people who are like, no, I found a job there. I'm so excited. I'm, I just want to say thank you. And I'm like, I'm impacting strangers in ways that I couldn't even think to impact. I'm like, you kind yeah. of dream about your life. And I'd never envision myself doing anything remotely like this. And I'm doing something like this. I thought about, you know, I told my mom, I said, I want to open this up later on. Like I want to open in Atlanta, a rec center that really is a rec center that I want my mom to run. Cause she's so good mm-hmm. um, where it would not just be a rec center, like a normal rec center. It will be one where there are computers there. So for people who don't, especially cause I grew up in the inner city, computers to do their homework someone there to give them snacks because sometimes kids don't get to eat and not the, the nasty snacks, the good snacks. A little healthy. <laughs> I'm a little health. I'm a little health kick. Um, but also for them to understand and I could get my amazing network of people to come to the inner city and be like, okay, you a doctor, come talk to my, to my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a marketer. Let me go get the lawyer. Let me go get, you know, the producer that they want. That's the music. Let me go get the actor. Cause I do acting on the side. Mm-hmm. I want to have that network to where we could all just walk in that room. And you have hundreds of kids who are like, oh my gosh, there's a black person in every single career. I want them mm-hmm. overwhelmed with the possibilities yeah. to where it's like, I don't want that question of why don't we see more black people doing this? No, no, no. I want so many black people doing all those things to where the kids are just like, I don't know what to choose. Good. I want you confused yes. because then that means you know that you can do whatever. You're not limited to one or two things. You're, you are so expi- expanded in your mind that you're motivated mm. to where you're like, oh my gosh, I can do this because there's like so many people else who do it like me or like, you know, who look like me. Yeah. So I will say that's why I'm so proud when people are like, you help me, you help me do this. And I'm just like, thank you. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I love that so much. I love that so much. Um, what would be a piece of advice that you would give to somebody who listens to your episode? Um, definitely network, no matter what, um, what industry you're in, whether you're marketing, advertising, wherever, don't limit yourself. This is a big one. Don't limit yourself to your space. So if you are in marketing, don't just network with only marketers network with other people because you never know who people know. 
um, because I network in National Black NBA, I've had somebody who's like, I didn't really, a student was like, I don't really want to do marketing, so I didn't find the value of talking to you. And my cousin, I'll tell you, he was like, you got to understand, Natalie was the president of an Emory Alumni Association. You know how many lawyers she called up and was like, yo, can you talk to so-and-so for me? And he was like, and you also didn't look at her background. She was pre-law. So, of course, it's not going to be super hard for her to call lawyers. So when I call her, she would call these great lawyers. They love her. She loves them. And then they would help me out. He was like, and so he he understands how when I say, don't limit yourself to lawyers. He's like, oh, I don't. He said, I look at people in all industries. And also because he wants to do higher education now. So he looks at higher ed professionals. Mm-hmm. He networks like like I should have been networking years ago in undergrad like him. And so I always say, don't, don't limit yourself. Um, one thing that we talk about in the black community sometimes, especially black women, when it comes to health. And we all know the sadness of how we are told that we have a higher pain tolerance mm-hmm. than most people. So people don't underestimate it. So we have black doctors. A friend of mine said that, you know, someone he cared about got really sick and had to go find a black doctor. I still have two PCPs that are black women on standby. And when um, I said, I don't want to have kids because I'm scared of dying because, you know, that happens with black women. One of my good friends, who was one of my college roommates, because um, I think I told you earlier, my college roommate passed away. Mm-hmm. And we had two other people in the suite. And that, sadly, that death caused us to get closer. And the reason why I said is because we should have been close anyway. And I hate when death causes us to do something, but, you know, it happens. Yeah. And she is an OBGYN. And she said, if it makes you comfortable, she said, one of our classmates is an OBGYN in Atlanta, first off, so you can go to him. And I would, because I trust him, I've known him since undergrad. And then she said, even then, I will sit on the phone with you, and I will listen to everything that is said, and I will sit through your appointments with you. To where this this is why it matters when you have a network and you have a team. Mm. To where my hairstylist, of course, obviously a Black woman love her. And she was like, I need help with marketing my business. I said, I already know an agency that'll hook you up. You network outside of here. So that's my biggest advice is networking, obviously, but don't limit yourself to one area because you are a whole person and you never know how people can help you. So network your butt off, be intentional and also be kind of selective, like be careful of your energy. There are some people who will network with you um, that don't have good intentions and are very self-centered and self-focused. So be intentional about that. Make sure they're not lying to you. They're genuine, they're honest, they're true, but definitely network outside your space, network like crazy and be intentional and selective. Mm. That is what I call advice. Where can people Mm. find you online? (laughs) Um, I'm on LinkedIn, of course, Natalie Gallette. Um, I have an Instagram that's public. It's not much fun. So (laughs) if you go there, you're probably bored. Natalie DG 2011. Um, Not bored like that, but I don't post a lot of pictures of me. I'm getting better about it, but I probably will be posting something soon for my little side acting gig, which is fun. Um, And then I'm on Facebook sparingly, but it's private. So I probably don't go there. And then I have an open Twitter that I don't use. I manage, or I will not manage, I will look at the black marketers more before I look at my personal one. <laughs> yeah. So if you're looking for me, find me. But LinkedIn is probably the best way to hit me up. Um, like I said, it's open. Um, I'm there. And I'm I'm always happy to talk to people. Um, and if I don't talk to you, it's not because I'm, I'm ignoring you. It's because everyone else is talking to me too. So I definitely always say look at my board too because I tend to keep a circle that I trust. And if I don't care for them, I will tell you, no, 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 no. But my board... Talk to all of them. They're great. Yeah. 
they're all great. <laughs> like they're great. They're they're the reason why black marketers is growing. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest. DMAA is growing because of people like Justin who's left, but I still really love Justin. So thank you to Justin, Ray, Nicole, Bianca, Brandon Beal, Janae, Taylor. Those are my board members. It's on my site too. But they're helping really make the org what it needs to be. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, well, that is a wrap for episode 14 <laughs> of Pan Four. So look, thank you again so much for joining. It was amazing having you as a guest. 